everybody? Are you good? Are you excited for what Jesus is doing in your life? Have you had an encounter that has transformed you? Man, I have. I, I tell you, I, as, as uh, Pastor and Sharon, by the way, um, send their love, but they are, they are spending time with family. Um, and so they're not with us today. You're stuck with me. All right. Somebody said all right. I like that. I've got a word from the Lord for you. Uh, and we're going to uh, we're going to have a good time. God is uh, powerful. He's amazing. He's incredible. He wants you to know Him. He wants you to know Him well. He wants you to experience Him and have an encounter that's a life changing an experience. Um, before I get into it too far, I need to make this announcement. We have some fun, cool things that are about ready to begin to happen in our broadcast uh, department. We're, we're short one thing. You. We need help. All right? We need help with cameras. We need help with uh, some of the equipment upstairs, uh, running things like that. You are not too old. You're not too young. You're not the wrong gender. Uh, you're not the wrong uh, in uh, economic class. <clears throat> you're perfect for us because you're part of the kingdom. You're part of God's good, good kingdom. All right? So for us to pull some of this stuff off, some of the vision that pastor has and some of the things that we'd like to do, we need some helpers. So here's what you're going to do. If you would like to help and learn, because we'll have to teach you, unless, of course, you come uh, with all sorts of knowledge on that stuff already, which would be awesome. But if you don't, we are willing to teach and train you. But you need to come see me or you need to give us a text or, or something to let us know that you would like to be used in that area. Okay? All right. So how many are, like, inclined right now to say, that would be me. That would be fun. Hey, I got a hand. Did I get two? I got two. Did I get three? Hey, give me three. I got a five, six, or three. Yeah. Wish I could do that. I can't. You know, one of the things that is kind of odd, and Jeannie was talking about the early days of Amazing Grace, and I had this experience. We went to, to Fruitport, and Terry King was an evangelist that, uh, that at the time Rex uh, was Webb, who was the pastor of Amazing Grace at the time, was uh, involved with and working with. And we went to um, church in Fruitport. I don't even know what the church was. It was an assembly over there. Well, good. Thank God for the assemblies. And uh, as we were having the altar call time, I went forward in the altar call. I mean, I was born again. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. That wasn't what I went forward for. I don't even know what the altar call was for. But I remember when I got to the front, I had this spirit, a godly spirit. Never had it before. Come on me. And I began to and grit my teeth and squinch my eyes and just because I was fighting back, crying. I didn't want to weep, but that's what I needed to do. I needed to cry. I needed to, I needed to let the Holy Spirit do in me what he wanted to do, and I, I fought it. 
because I'd never, ever experienced anything like that before. When the service was over, I was still at the altar fighting back what God was trying to do in my life to the point where I went, that must be a demon. God would never do that to me, would he? It was a week later at church. I was kneeling at the altar, and we were at the, uh, the township hall. And I was kneeling at the altar. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God touched me. And from my knees, I went over backwards onto the floor. That's kind of hard to do. I'd like to say the story was I split my pants wide open. It was awesome. But I, I just went over backwards, right over my feet and on the ground. And there I laid for the longest time as God began to work on me. And all of a sudden, the Lord began to show me that that was him the week before that I fought so hard against. It was right after that that we went and saw Ernest Angley. And while we were at this meeting, there was a man right in front of me that had one hand, and one hand was missing. He had no right hand. Yeah, right hand. He had no right hand. But both arms were raised up so you could see that he didn't have it. And Ernest Angley calls out that God is moving in recreative miracles. And suddenly, this man screams as he has got two hands. And I had just looked, and he didn't. And then I looked again, and he did. And I said, God, I want to do that. I want to do that. And I've shared this testimony before that that, that, that winter, this was in the spring, and that winter my dad had plowed, snow plowed over a pine tree, a, a, a short one that was, you know, four or five feet tall. And it was springtime came, and, and it had lost all its green and it was just dead. It was sticks. And he went out there with the tractor, and he was going to just pull it out. And I said, Dad, wait, 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 wait. Don't pull it out. Why? I said, I want to experiment with it. What do you want to do? I said, I want to pray for it. My dad wasn't a, I mean, my dad was a believer in, in God, as good Episcopalians are. But not really walking in faith or any of that. And it, but he went, all right, I'll leave it. So May and June and July, every day I'd go out and I'd lay hands on this dead pine tree in the front yard. Every day. August came around, getting just past my birthday in August. All of a sudden, there's these little green nubs that are coming out of that pine tree. And that pine tree is about a 40-foot pine tree that my sister and brother-in-law just moved from the old farm that, that is right on the corner of the driveway. And it's beautiful, beautiful white pine. And God restored it. Shortly after that, I was in a situation that wasn't very pretty, and there was an argument going on, and a person, instead of punching somebody, <laughs> she punched the wall. And she broke her hand. She was a registered nurse. She knew immediately she had broken bones in her hand. Her hand was all swollen. And she said, I need to go to the hospital. I said, no, wait a minute. Let me pray for you. I practiced on a pine tree. 
I can pray for you. I laid hands on her, took her by the hand. <laughs> I don't know if that was smart or not. Watched her wince, and then I prayed, and all of a sudden you could hear the bones move in her hand, and she was completely restored. The swelling was gone immediately, and she had complete strength and motion in her hand, and God had healed it. It was the beginning of a trek that I was on. There were some things in me that God had to kill so I could get to the point where God could resurrect an anointing and a life. Turn with me to Isaiah. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That's not the scripture I wanted to talk about, but it was right there marked in my Bible, so I thought I'd read it. Pray for our government. Woe to those who call evil good. I don't want to get into politics, but I can't help myself. Quite a few years ago, there was a great idea in Europe. And there was, there was a group of people that were desperate to protect another group of people. And they said, for us to be able to protect you, we need to identify you. So here is a, here is a gold star of David. And we're just asking you to wear it on your chest so we can know, so we can make sure we keep you safe. And they went and they said, you know what? To, to make sure we can do this, we've got a section of a city that we've, we've uh, quarantined off. And we'll put you there. That way we can keep you safe. Oh, you know what? We're sending a train for you to take you to this beautiful spot. It's called Auschwitz. You'll love it. Because we want to protect you. Woe to those who call evil good. That's all the politics I'm going to get into today. But I want to get into Isaiah chapter 6. Obviously, I didn't say that, did I? That was uh, Isaiah 5, verse 20, in case you wanted to know. Isaiah chapter 6. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Whew. There are times in our lives that something has to die so that something can live. Isaiah was contemporary of King Uzziah. Uzziah was a good king except for one thing. He tried to impose into the priesthood and God didn't like that. He ended up getting leprosy and he died of that. But Uzziah was a, a, a godly, good king. And he dies. And Isaiah's response at first is, is and, you, and, and you can read this in other areas, he, his response is, oh no, are we going to get a bad king now that's going to take us backwards? What are we going to get? And God in chapter 6 opens Isaiah's eyes to something really impressive. He said, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw, I'll just change the word here, the real king. 
sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. God is asking us and God is asking you to encounter him. But some of you, kind of like I did that first time when, when the Spirit of the Lord was coming out of me and I was fighting it because I didn't recognize or I didn't know what it was, there was a blockage that stopped the presence of the Lord from doing some of the things that he wanted to do in my life at that moment. Some of you right now, God wants to do some incredibly impressive and amazing, powerful things in your life, and there are things that need to die, fear, Pride, bitterness, unforgiveness, insert your what needs to die here. He said, so I saw and I had a revelation that though the king that I loved was dead, there was a king on the throne. Second thing is that he said that there was no room for pessimism. He saw that he had a king, and he said, I cannot be pessimistic. I have to be optimistic because Isaiah was a pessimist, if you read about him. It's going to be bad. No, I think good things are going to happen. But he has this moment of encounter with the Lord. We're going to get somewhere here. I'm sorry. Kind of Lord is talking to me in the background. Trying to go with two places here. Yes, Lord. Okay, we'll keep reading. Verse 2. Above him stood a seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And, he, and one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me. For I'm lost. For I'm a man with unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Some of you are in that position right now. Well, it was me. I'm a man of, I'm a person of unclean lips. I'm not worthy. And I'm in the midst of people. Do you know what my family tree is like? Do you know who my parents were? Do you know what I've done or who I hang around with. And God says, yeah, I know all that. It doesn't bother me at all. Does it bother you? If it does, let it die. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin atoned for. We don't have necessarily an angel that's flying with tongs that are burning hot from the, from the fire of God, but we do have the blood of Jesus Christ that has been given freely and has been sprinkled on the mercy seat for atonement. So whatever that is in your life that God is saying, I need to get rid of so that you can see me high and lifted up. Whatever it is that you, can, that you need to get rid of so that you can dump the pessimism and become optimist in the things of the kingdom and the things of God so that you can be used 
to make me famous. The blood of Jesus will take care of it. Jesus is amazing. Jesus is incredible. I've got great news for you. Do you know we win in everything because of Christ? And then listen to what happens. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and whom shall go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. And he said, go and say to the people. Woo. I am worried because my king has just passed away. I'm not sure. I'm very pessimistic about what's coming. And all of a sudden, I have a vision of my God enthroned in the holy place. And suddenly the pessimism is replaced with optimism. And I see an angel and he touches my lips and I'm clean. And I said, okay, I'm ready. I'll go. That's a position that God has got you in this morning. Some of you have already done that, but some of you have not. And God is saying, there's a coal ready to touch your lips. There's the blood of Christ that's ready to redeem and ready to restore and ready to empower if you receive it. I want to just share with quickly a few things that Isaiah said. And, and I'm getting to a different point, but I wanted to bring it here because of what you're going to do with it. Isaiah goes on to prophesy, to use the voice, to use his, his voice of declaration, to prophesy just a few things. The insight that God gave him, the, the, the revelation that God revealed to this pessimist was this. Jesus would be born of a virgin. Jesus would be called Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus would bring light to Galilee. Jesus would be heir to King David's throne. Jesus would be called a Nazarene. Jesus would destroy death. Jesus would be dead, then live. His body would rise. Jesus would perform miracles. A messenger, John the Baptist, would prepare the way for Jesus. Jesus' message of salvation would reach to the ends of the earth. Jesus would be rejected by his own people. He would be silent before his accusers. He would be spit upon and beaten. He'd be crucified with criminals. He would be sacrificed for our sin. He would be buried in a rich man's tomb. And after all that, he'd heal the brokenhearted. You know why? Because Jesus didn't stay in the tomb. And God uses this amazing guy to proclaim and to, to bring about the declaration that would allow Jesus to be born into this earth. Because God does everything by speaking. Creates everything by the spoken word. And Isaiah, as he spoke the word, the Holy Spirit was moving on behalf of it. In verse uh, or chapter six or nine, verse six, I want to read this Christmas story uh, thing that we always read and we sing. For unto us a son, but child is born. You know that song. For unto us a son is given. Right, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called. Good, strong entrance by the choir. Wonderful. Counselor. Almighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Right? 
You've all heard that, right? It's Christmas time. It's an amazing declaration that Isaiah brings. And as I was going through it, and the, and the Lord brought me to it, and, and it goes on, verse 7, The increase of his government and peace there should be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth forever. The zeal of the Lord will perform it. The zeal of the Lord, the jealousy that God has over performing his word will get it done. Let me take you back to verse 6. A child is born. The Hebrew, it says a male child with a specific lineage. Not just any boy. The right boy. A son is given. It means a builder of the family name that's yielded to God. The government on his shoulders. Prevailing empire of godly ascension placed on his back. His name. His authority, its character, its renown, its dual identity. Part of the meaning. He's the son of God, the son of man. The hypostatic union, for those who like that word. He shall be called. He shall be preached, proclaimed, read. And I like this because I say it all the time. He shall be made famous. Make Jesus famous. Somebody's got a shirt on that says make Jesus famous right now. Ricky Brooks. Uh, Adam has one back there, too. Hmm. Wonderful. Ready for this? It means a miracle. A miracle worker. To make many into one. Counselor, to resolve, to give, and to establish purpose. Mighty, a warrior champion, valiant warrior for everyone. God. Ready for this? It means God. Also means strength. Mighty oak. Threefold cord bound together, everlasting, perpetual, advance, a continual bedecking, a continual adorning, if you would. Father, this is cool, the word father, from the beginning, from the beginning, father to the fatherless, the prince means to have dominion, to be a captain, to be ruler, to be Lord. Prince of Peace, from the word shalom, to be safe in mind, body, and estate, to be made complete. So, I'm going to read verse 6 again. A male child with a specific lineage will be birthed. A builder of the family name yielded to God will be gifted to men. A prevailing empire of godly ascension will be firmly placed on his back. He will have all authority, the best character, highly renowned in a dual identity. He shall be preached, proclaimed, read about, and made famous for being a miracle, for being a worker of miracles. And for making many into one, a resolver, a restorer, giving and establishing purpose. He will be a warring champion, a valiant warrior for everyone. Godly, strong as a mighty oak, a threefold cord who binds together in unity. From the beginning, he shall be a father. A father to the fatherless, whose unceasing advance has been to adorn his children with goodness, 
He's the captain, the ruler, the Lord with all dominion who keeps safe your mind, your body, and estate, completing you perfectly. Man, that's, that might be better than the Amplified. It's powerful. And you know who it's talking about? Our Jesus. Our little baby in a manger that we like to bring out once a year and, and coddle. Our little Jesus who grew up into a man without sin. Our little Jesus who went about doing good and healing all that were sick. Our little Jesus who doesn't want you to stay as you are, but wants to transform you into a powerful kingdom worker, life changer for his glory and for his goodness. You know, one of my favorite books of the Bible is the book of Mark, Gospel of Mark. Uh, just a quick question. How many of you read the Bible on a regular basis? How many read every day? Don't show, don't, don't show your hands. I don't want anybody feeling guilty that they don't. One of the things I do is I read from the Gospels. It doesn't matter where the church reading is, and uh, we read along, but every day I read from the Gospels. And I find myself every day not only reading from the Gospels, but every day reading from the Gospel of Mark. Just got stuck there. Anybody here familiar with the movie Indiana Jones? Remember the first one? Probably the best one? I went to the movies, and when that got done, you know, uh, and... Again, they, they've fallen the Ark of the Covenants. You know, not real, but kind of a fun thing. But when it got done, the comment I made was, you know what I liked about that movie? The action never stopped. I mean, he went from one thing into the next, into the next, into the next, and wow, 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 and it was just like amazing. And the Gospel of Mark is the Indiana Jones of the Bible because Jesus goes, boom, miracle. Oh, one boom, over here, and oh, boom, and boom, and, and, and just one after the other. And as you read the Gospel of Mark, you get exhausted just reading it, and it's so exciting. In chapter 1, John prepares the way. Jesus is baptized. He's tempted. He begins his ministry, calls his first disciples, heals a man with an unclean spirit, heals many, preaches in the Galilee, cleanses a leper. And we're just getting started. Chapter 2, he heals a paralytic, calls Levi, teaches on fasting. He establishes he's Lord of the Sabbath. In chapter 3, he heals a withered hand. Great crowds press in on him, and he heals them, appoints the 12 apostles, teaches about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. He hasn't even taken a breath yet. Parable of the sower in chapter 4, the purpose of speaking in parables, share several, share, 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 share several, I'm about to speak in tongues, share several parables, and then calms a storm, just to throw in a cherry on top of the day. Calm the storm. Chapter 5, he heals a man with a legion of, de a legion of demons. A legion of demons. Legion, that's a lot. I remember one time that uh, we, were, we were in Brazil, and uh, there's a young fellow that was in our group. His name was Kevin, and he was in Bible college, and he was just learning. And, and we were, there was all sorts of, God was doing all these miracles, and we're, so we're praying for people. Absolutely incredible. In fact, um, when I was with Carrie there, there was, there was a couple that came up, and, and she was needing counsel. 
and, and help. She was dealing with fear and she was dealing with uh, tr- uh, night terrors and stuff like that. And her husband, I'll get back to my story in just a second. Her husband, though, was standing there and great supportive husband that he was. And he's, he's being attentive to him and Carrie is ministering to him. And I'm just staring at this guy's head. And he's tall. I mean, he's well over six foot. He's six foot two or three. And I'm just looking at his head because sticking right out of the middle of his head is like a half a golf ball, a goiter, a growth of some sort. And it's right in the middle of his forehead, and it's protruding out. And that's all I can see. And I'm mesmerized by that lump sticking out of his head. And so Carrie is... Oh, and she's praying in the Holy Ghost, and she's doing this warfare. And finally I said, excuse me, but this is just driving me crazy. I said, do you mind? And he went, okay, no. He had no idea what I was going to do. And I took my thumb, and I put it on that thing that was coming out of his forehead, and I pushed it back in for him, and it was completely gone. (laughs) I said, okay, Carrie, now you can keep going. And God healed him. It was totally gone. So here's Kevin, and he's, he is, he's part of the group, and he's praying, and I got done praying for them, and I look over, and Kevin is in a bear hug with this big guy from Brazil, and this big guy from Brazil is growling at him like a bear, and he's foaming at the mouth, and he's shaking Kevin. And Kevin is just like a rag doll in his hands. So I walked over, and I said, Kevin, do you need help? And he goes, yes! <laughs> so I, I looked at this guy that had Kevin, and I said, let him go. And he dropped Kevin immediately. And I, went, I started to say, Kevin, now together we'll, and I'll show you. And Kevin, his only words were, I'm out of here. And Kevin took off. Point is, only took a second. Commanded the demon to come out of this man. He came out. He got fell to the floor. I had somebody who spoke Portuguese come and lead him to Christ, get him filled with the Holy Ghost. And even though Jesus dealt with a guy with a legion of demons, it was a word. doesn't matter if there's one or a legion. You have been given authority. You have been given a commission. God has called you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. These things that I'm reading about that Jesus did, you're called to do the very same things. The same works that I do, you will do in greater works because I go to the Father. The disciples for three years traveled with Jesus, and and they were sent out, and they did things. But it came to a point, and I didn't finish all the lineage of Mark's miracles. You can do that. But it came to the point where Jesus said, okay, I've got to go. But I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Because you have been doing these things so far uh, under my my tutelage and with me there. And now it's time to take ownership of your ministry. It's time to take ownership of your call. It's time to take ownership of what I've established for you to do. He said, so tarry in Jerusalem until I fill you with the Holy Spirit. 
So here's this amazing Jesus who went about doing good, who went about healing, who went about preaching, who went about doing all these great things for the kingdom. He then takes his spirit, the Holy Spirit, and he pours it out into us. So not only do we have the commission, but now we have the empowerment. So when you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, immediately you got the commission. These signs, Mark says in chapter 16, will follow them, or will, will, will follow those who believe. In my name, the first thing was they'll cast out devils. Very first thing. Well, Chuck, I don't know if I've ever run into a devil. I, you have. They can disguise themselves, they can mask themselves. But you have. I mean, Jesus did. If you read the scriptures, how many times did Jesus deal with the devil? So obviously we know they're real. But guess what? Who cares? You have authority over them as simple as a word. These signs will follow them to believe. They'll cast out devils. What's the second one? They'll speak in new tongues. That, first of all, God wants you, to, wants you to realize that in Christ Jesus, you have authority and power over all the forms of the devil. All of it. No evil, no weapon formed against you will prosper. A weapon might get formed, but it's not going to prosper. Right, Rhonda? Yeah. Rhonda was told she might be sick. A weapon was formed, but God is her healer. It didn't prosper because Jesus prospers in her. You'll speak in new tongues. What does that mean? That God has filled you with the Holy Spirit, and you have an evidence of that. And also, when you speak in tongues, it builds you up in your most holy faith as you pray in the Holy Ghost. Jude 20, right? Anybody ever go to the basketball games when my kids were playing, or volleyball games when my kids were playing, or softball? My girls played lots of sports. Anyway, Courtney would be running down the court, and you could just see your Alicia, one or the other. They would usually want to do, anybody who followed them, they would uh, be quick for vengeance and, and, you know, go down and knock somebody out of the way at the other end of the court and get a foul called on them. I would see that happening, and I would go, Jude 20. I'd get a look, and the, they ran by the dad in the court, uh, in the stands, Jude 20, to remind them, you know what? You're above that. You're above vengeance. You're above fear. You're above anger. Be full of the Holy Spirit. Be effective for the kingdom. Jude 20, build yourself up. Anyway, so you speak in other tongues. Anything deadly is going to bite you. Anything deadly you're going to eat, it's not going to hurt you. You know, the, 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 the fear of COVID, it bows to the name of Jesus. It bows to the name of Jesus. I'm not saying be dumb. I'm not saying, um, you know, go and rub COVID on you or something. I'm just saying this. Be prayed up. Be built up in your most holy faith, prayed in the Holy Ghost. Jeannie is wearing a mask out of respect, and that's cool. That, I love it. I mean, she, and she needs to. She shared with us why she's doing that. But she's a woman of faith. It's not going to come nigh her. It's not going to prosper even if it tries. That's promise of God. And then it says, they'll lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. Why? Because we have been called in that ministry that is Christ Jesus. 
Jesus came out of the wilderness after being tempted of the devil. And we know the temptation was, if you're the son of God, do you believe who you are? Do you believe what God has said about you? Because God said, this is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. So Jesus goes into the wilderness. He gets tempted of the devil after he's fasted 40 days. And the temptation is, if you're the son of God, turn the stone to bread. Now, he was done fasting. So, and we know that God, through Christ, had taken other things, like at the wedding of Canaan, and he turned water into wine. So would it be a problem and was a temptation making a stone something to eat, like bread? No. The temptation was this. God had just said about Jesus 40 days earlier, this is my beloved son. The temptation was, do you believe it? If you're the son of God. And then the next temptation was turn the stone to bread. And what he was saying is take the Ten Commandments, the law that's written on stone, and make that the bread of life for people. Make it good enough. And guess what that would do? Condemn everybody. Because nobody can live up to the law in their own righteousness. We need the righteousness that comes through a relationship with Christ Jesus. And the next one, he's, he, he uh, said, if you're the son of God, cast yourself down. Because the Lord said that he would hold you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. The second temptation the devil brought against Jesus was not throw yourself down, but said this, prove that you think that God is your father and he's going to do what he says he's going to do concerning you. And Jesus says, I don't have to do that. He's my father. I know him. I trust my God. I trust my father. Where are you? Do you know who you are? Are you a son of God? Do you trust your father? And then he said, hey, I'll give you all these kingdoms if you worship me. And Jesus said, I was created for the praise of his glory, not yours. So that's never going to happen. So are you. Same thing. So Jesus comes out of the wilderness, and then his first message that he preaches is this, it's really short. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The word repent can, can bring in the idea of being sorry for sin, but it means this, to change how you think. Because God was saying this, we've been thinking under old covenant, under the old way of doing things for a long time, it's time to change how you think because the kingdom is at hand. Let me make this declaration to you. The kingdom is at hand. And some of you, all of you, myself included, have to change how we think. And we have to line up our thinking with the way heaven thinks. And how we do that, and the easiest way to do that is go through and read those Gospels and see how Jesus did things. See how Jesus talked, see how Jesus spoke, see the actions that he took, and line ourselves up with that. He's our model. He's our example. And that's how we change how we think. Renewing your mind to the Word of God. Because even all the epistles and the different writings that are in the Bible all speak to the life of Christ and the demonstration that he brought to us. And I love that wedding of Canaan, the first miracle that he did. Ready for this? He took, when Mama said, there's, there's, there the, the people said there's no wine, and Mama said, do, do whatever Jesus says to do. And Jesus goes, Mom. Ugh. How many here can relate to that? My mother was good for that. 
Charlie will. Mom. Charlie will do that. Mom. Moms, we love them. Some of us wish we could hear mom say that again. But Jesus' mom said, do what he said. Mom, okay, I'm going to honor mama. And he looked around and he saw these, these clay jars that were empty. And he said this. He said, uh, let's see, what did I see the father do? Oh, yeah. The father took dirt and he made an earthen vessel. There they are, clay jars made out of dirt, and they're vessels. What did the Father do? Filled them with his breath. What did Jesus do? Well, water represents life. Let's fill them with water. It's a type and shadow of the breath, the life of God. So let's take the earthen vessels. I watched Daddy do this at the beginning of, of, of earth. Let's do it. Watch this. So take those earthen vessels, those jars of clay, and fill them with water. What's next? Oh, yeah. Let's pour them out. Here's the Garden of Eden. Adam, rule it and subdue it. Now, we know Adam had a little difficulty with that. But here's the cool thing about God. When he gave the commission of Adam and Eve to rule and subdue the garden, which is earth, God never took it back. Even when they sinned, he didn't say, man, oh, I blew that. I better, better step in there and do it myself. Thank God he didn't. Because then what other promise and whatever other gift might he take back? What other promise might he not follow through with? No, the earth was ours in its condition. We were sinners. What's going to happen? Jesus, the second Adam. That's why in, in the name that Isaiah gave him, it was dual identity. He's the son of man. And Jesus said that over and over again. He was the son of man, born of a virgin, but yet the Son of Man, but ready for this, filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus did everything on earth as a man. Anything that Jesus would have done on earth as God, we couldn't do. But Jesus said, everything I've done, you can do. And greater things. Why? Because I did them as a man, full of the Holy Spirit, speaking the word in faith, in obedience to what my Father is saying and doing. And I filled these jars with water. Now pour them out. And what came out? Wine. The Lord is saying, look, I put my spirit in you, but when you pour my spirit out, it's going to be greater. It's going to be greater than what went in. Because that's how I do things, says the Lord. I'm a God of increase. I'm a God of multiplication. I'm a God that takes this vessel and makes it a vessel of honor. This sinful creature, and I cleanse it in my blood and make it a vessel of honor fit for my use. I watched Daddy do it in heaven. Let's do it the same way 
and there was the miracle at the wedding of Canaan. Water went into an earthen vessel. Life went in, and when it was poured back out, it was powerful. It was better. That's what the Holy Spirit, when you get filled, born again, and God fills you with the Holy Spirit, and you're full of the Holy Spirit, when you begin to pour out the Spirit of God in whatever situation you're in, if you lay hands on the sick, guess what comes out? Something better. And you have the power to pour it out. How do I have that power? Speak the word. Take your hands and lay hands on the sick. Speak in new tongues. Make declaration. Walk in obedience. Because here's Jesus doing all these incredible things. And like I said, Indiana Jones of the Bibles, Mark 4, read it. And you're just going to go, wow, and I get to do all that? Yeah, and, and not everything is even close to being listed. According to Revelation, there's not enough books in the world to contain everything that Jesus said or did. Part of the reason is, is because Jesus is still doing, but he's doing it through you. He's doing it through me. Well, Chuck, but don't certain people have, uh, you know, been given the gift of, of miracles and healings? These signs will follow them that believe. There's a gift of miracles. There's a gift of faith. And God may move on you in a specific gifting. You know, God, I, I've had the opportunity and I've raised two people from the dead by the power of God. That took a special gifting. Not only miracles, but healing and faith a word of knowledge, all sorts of gifts that God did so that I could be used. So there are special giftings that will come on us, but all of us have been called to be used in the gift of healing by the laying on of hands in faith. I don't know if I'd have the guts. Find a pine tree that's dead and practice. I'm... Uh, you know, it, 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 it sounds stupid, but I saw that miracle, and I go, how do I, how do, I do that? I watched my favorite ball player was Al Kaline. Even though Jimmy Northrup, back from the Tigers, coached me in Little League one year when he was hurt back in 1969. We were on a first-name basis for a long time. Come into Siler's and say, Charlie, get me a good steak. Okay, Jim. He'd come up to see his mom. She, they lived right here in the, in, the, in the community. But Al Kaline was my guy. Al Kaline. I want to hit like, I couldn't throw like Al, so I became a catcher. But Al Kaline could hit the ball. Oh, my gosh. He was amazing. But you know what I had to do? not be able to hit like Al Kalin because I never could, but I had to study him. I had to learn from him. I had to watch. I remember when I was coaching uh, high school softball here in town, we, we were down in, at a, a conference, uh, coaching conference, and Andy Van Slyke, who was at that time coaching for the Detroit Tigers, we were sitting having lunch, and I was sitting across the table from him, and I said, Andy, blah, 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 and, and give me, give me a Give me something. He said, go back and watch old video. And he said, everything starts with the back shoulder to level out the hands. And I went back and I began to study Al, and I went, that's what I missed. 
Al Kaline did it exactly like Andy Vance Like had told me. And you know why? Andy Vance Like, Vance Like learned from Al Kaline. And he passed it on to me. And I never did get to hit like that, but a lot of our girls became very good hitters. And we won, out of the 14 years I coached, we won the league championship 12 years. And hit the ball everywhere. But we learned. God wants to teach you. I have no idea how long I've gone. Sorry, Pastor. I'm probably way over. Not too bad. But you've been called. You've been set aside. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit for a greater purpose. Jesus came and exampled everything so that you could be a success for the kingdom of God. Why? Because look at the person next to you. Go ahead, look at him. God loves that person. And God wants you to do something godly, powerfully, and, and amazing on their behalf. And you've got nothing to offer them. Or do you? Because you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You've got the life of Christ to offer them. You've got the, the miracle-working power of the Lord Jesus Christ dwelling in you to offer them because he said so. What did Jesus do? How great is Jesus? I think about, in all the turmoil that's going on in the world right now, I think about Jesus, and guess what happens? I go, yeah, it don't matter. We're good. Why, Jesus? Yeah, but Chuck, Revelation chapter 13 talks about the mark of the beast, and you can't buy or sell without, without you know, the right hand or forehead in the mark. Sorry, Carrie, I thought I'd bring it in somewhere. And now they, they've made this little thing. It's about the size of a grain of rice, and they, and they inject it into your hand, and you can just scan your hand, and you don't need money. You don't need a credit card. You don't need a driver's license. You don't need your medical records. You need nothing except the mark. Is that the mark of the beast? I'm not saying it is. It could be a precursor. However, it doesn't matter because you know what I do have? Not the chip in my hand, the Christ in my heart. The Christ in my life. Wow. And then if you read the book of Matthew, I'm going to end with this because this is powerful. You read about the lineage of Jesus. And from Abraham to David, there's 14 generations. I remember one time getting to the point in Matthew chapter 1, and I just kind of skipped to chapter 2, and the Lord says, what are you doing? I said, there's a lot of names in there that are tough to pronounce. He says, read it, and I'll show you something. <sighs> okay, it's going to be a little bit longer reading time today. Chapter 1, we got to start going out. We get to Abraham. Abraham up to David, 14 generations. David to the time of the Babylonian exile, 14 generations. From the Babylonian exile to Christ, 14 generations. I said, yeah, okay, what, Lord? He said, count them. And in 13, 14, David. 14, we're in Babylon exile. Joseph, 12. Jesus, 13. Your word's wrong. Read it, count it again. 14, 14, Joseph 12, Jesus 13. God says, it's not wrong. I said, but Jesus is 13. He goes, but you're the body of Christ. And you're carrying on the work of the Christ. Because the work of the Christ in the earth is not over. 
The work of the Christ will continue until he catches the church up in the clouds to be the Lord with the Lord in the air. According to the first Thessalonians chapter four or five, somewhere in there. That's you. That's me. We get to do that. How do we do that? Bold faith. Confidence of, in our God. Confidence in what Jesus demonstrated. He was serious when he said, you're going to do the same things I did. Okay, there's my hand. Here's the word. In Jesus' name, be healed. By the stripes of Jesus, we're healed. He took sickness and disease far from us. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not be in want. Healing is the children's bread. The children are not forsaken. Their cedar is not begging bread. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So therefore, you're right. He's going to glorify himself in your body, according to Philippians 1. And sickness isn't glory. Sickness has nothing to do with God. So God has called us to be demonstrators of his love, his goodness, his mercy. And he exampled it through Jesus. That's why I said, look to him. He's the author and finisher of your, of your faith. He's an amazing, amazing, loving God. He has mercy on who he has mercy, and he has compassion on whom he has compassion. And he so loved the world that he came for all of us. So his mercy and his compassion are poured out on everyone. So I don't know if God wants to heal them. Yes, he does. Yeah, but do you know what they've done? That's all right. He did some things for Isaiah before he saw the Lord high and lifted up and the coal cleansed him, his lips. And Jesus is with us. So let's pray in the Holy Spirit. God wants to do some things here. First of all, if, if you're here and you're sick in your body, I just want you to stand up. If, if you would like prayer because you're sick in your body, stand up. I want you to be shy. <clears throat> now, first of all, let me just say this, that uh, that's not the will of God for anybody to be sick, and God never uses sickness to teach a lesson or to make a point or anything else. Otherwise, Jesus, if he went about doing good, healing all that were sick, he'd be, he would be rebelling against God if it was God's will for some people to be sick. And Jesus never rebelled. Sickness is of the enemy. It might be through the flesh or just whatever, but it's not ever of God. So God wants you healed. Second of all, God has commissioned us as believers to lay hands on the sick. So I want the people around them right now to begin to, to find it. Ladies, lay hands on ladies, men on men, okay? Um, if you're a man and you're next to a lady, you know, if they say it's okay, put your hand on the shoulder or something. The rest of you are going to pray in the Holy Spirit. We got somebody here. Oh, Jenna's right there. 